for a lot of us, when you've done a role for, you know, over five years, it kind of can go autopilot. And I think there's a lot of comfort in that where, you know, your, your needs are met and you feel like, okay, I don't really need to push myself, but I can keep going into work and I know I'll get paid this much and Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable because I know what I'm doing and I can just kind of float through my day, clock out and go home. And what I'm doing now is just choosing the shifts that I want and choosing the holidays that I want off. And maybe I'm choosing a job that doesn't make me work weekends or nights anymore. And so I'm mitigating the painful points of it. And so now I'm, I'm even more comfortable. And I think when you reach that state of comfort, what will make you uncomfortable is when you think about what happens if I lose my income, what happens if I no longer have that stability through my W2. And when that happens, it becomes a much stronger motivation to create some security for yourself outside of your W2. Welcome back to the Passive Income Nurse Podcast, where as healthcare professionals, we create passive income online. We're trading in our scrubs for yoga pants, we're thinking outside of the box, aka the hospital, and we're figuring out how to make money online. And just in case you were wondering, yes, we are professionals, but we were raised on Tupac, so we making changes. (laughs) Yep, you heard that right. Hey, I'm Brianne Bell, registered nurse, health, wellness, and passive income advocate. Join me on this journey of breaking free from the hospital and taking control of your schedule to reconnecting with what matters most in life, to surrendering and letting Jesus take the will. Pop in your earbuds and get ready to be inspired to grow outside of the hospital walls and learn all kinds of different ways you can make money online. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited. I'm excited to learn more about our guest that we have on today. Her name is Alex Moore. Super excited to have her on the show. She is a nurse practitioner and she has turned passive income real estate investor. So she practiced internal medicine for about 10 years and then she started investing in real estate while she was working full time. So I'm excited for her to share her story. In 2019, she started her own company called Graywell Capital. And since then, she's been able to retire from being a nurse practitioner, which is super exciting and inspiring. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about real estate and investing in real estate as a passive stream of income. Alex is going to explain multifamily versus short-term rentals and how you can get started while working full-time. Because I know a lot of you listening are like, okay, this seems super overwhelming to me, but Alex is really going to break it down for us. So Alex, welcome to the show. So excited to have you on and talk about passive income inside of real estate, because if I'm being honest to me, it seems a little bit scary. And so I'm excited for you to kind of break it down for us and just kind of share your journey so we can see what is possible. So if you could start out by telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of your nurse practitioner journey, share your personal why behind building and growing this business. And so, yeah, let's dive Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, Brianne. I really appreciate it. And such a nice introduction. Um, so yeah, I started in real estate investing 
actually by accident, we, um, rented out our primary residence, uh, back in 2017. And that's when we became accidental landlords. And I think that <laughs> happens for a lot of people where yep. they're like, oops, <laughs> yep. um, we quickly realized that, you know, when you invest in a primary residence, you're buying it for yourself. <clears throat> and so it didn't cash flow, but it did cover its bills. Um, and so it wasn't a moneymaker, but we we're kind of like, Hmm, that was easy and convenient. And from there, um, explored other ways to get into real estate, but what kind of in, inspired it from the beginning was I was at an FQHC in Philadelphia working really long hours. I think that's pretty common for a ton of people. Um, so I loved the population I worked with. It was immigrants and refugees. They were fantastic to work with super rewarding, but I was real burnt out. Um, and what I saw that was really inspiring was that my Nepalese refugees would come to the U S and they figured it out. They were like, I'm going to start a small business. I'm going to get a primary residence and I'm going to do the American dream. I had so many of these refugees do that. <clears throat> and the first thing they did was to invest in real estate and they did it. Um, that's what they did with their money. And, and it was just brilliant because they were like, I know that there's security in this. And I know that there's security in putting it in an asset. Um, and so that was kind of something that I always think about, wow, that was actually really influential to me. Um, and then when we moved out to California, um, <clears throat> I changed completely into a different patient population, but that's when we started doing the rental of our primary. And, um, I wanted to look into something that would supplement our income kind of thinking, Hey, you know, we need to come up with a plan for long-term financial stability outside of just saving in a 401k and start, you know, saving for the <laughs> stock market. And, um, what's a way that we can invest in something that is secure with less volatility mm-hmm. <laughs> and. And real estate is like awesome because you buy something that's actually growing in worth just by sitting there. And then when you buy into rentals, you're actually getting cash flow. So the play that we did to start off with my husband and I was to do a duplex and to do a short-term rental, um, kind of like a play. Cause we weren't sure which model we wanted. We knew both could do well, um, but we didn't know which one would fit our needs the most. So we did um, one in my hometown. And then the other one was in, um, Hawaii. Cause we looked at a lot of markets and we were mm-hmm. like, yeah, yes, fun. yes. And we we're like, oh, maybe we'll use it. I think that happens for a lot of people where they're like, oh, we'll get to use it. Um, and cool. yeah. And so we did both and we didn't really know it at the time. We really didn't know anything. We were like, okay, we'll do some underwriting on the, on the two <laughs> unit, um, and figured out, wow, this thing is going to cash flow beautifully. And then we did the underwriting on the short-term rental and we realized, okay, wow, we have to self-manage this one. <laughs> so I did. Um, and that was after we had done a full renovation on it. So the first, uh, we did a, a quick, we bought the duplex all cash, and then we did a refinance out and bought the short-term rental. And then we did a full gut rehab on it. And that was all in a span of six weeks in one summer. Oh um, it was insane. <laughs> it was like, big project to take on and finish in six weeks. Oh, totally. We were like brand new tenants in this long-term rental, figuring out how to be landlords there, setting up leases and like getting, you know, just a roster of of folks who could help us out if we needed repairs. And then, um, and then doing a remote renovation on an Island would not recommend, um, as your first (laughs) for forego and four way into, a. Uh, investing, but you know, we made it through, um, and we do own both of those properties, but after 
doing the self-management of both. I can tell you long-term rentals are just, there's so many benefits to having a tenant that stays in your unit for a long period of time. Um, but people do figure out the STR route, but my tolerance really was in, Hey, I know what my cash flow is going to be. Mm-hmm. That became super apparent when the pandemic hit <clears throat> because uh, for a lot of markets that locked down their short-term rental, but for Hawaii in particular, um, no one could get on the island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that sucker was empty um, for over six months and wow. we had saved enough in reserves that we could carry it. But for many investors, that isn't the case because they typically live off of that cash flow from their, from their short-term rental. So mm-hmm. that, that risk profile to me was like, whoa, too volatile. Um, and I wasn't super comfortable with that. Um, so what we, what we ended up doing was 1031 in, and getting a bunch of multifamily. So we scaled up and got into commercial multifamily. And now I do large multifamily, um, which I offer to investors as a private placement. So it's a private equity firm. That's what Graywell Capital is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, I love that you kind of share your journey between like trial and error, because I think a lot of us kind of start out like you did. It's just like trying to just figure things out as you go. And then you kind of figure out, okay, this is what excites me. This is what I can see a future with. And you kind of roll with it from there. So you've got the, you know, you learn and you go through all your experiences, right? Like it may have been a horrible, mm-hmm. like <laughs> six yeah. weeks that you went through renovating. <laughs> In a way, but I'm sure there was a lot of learning lessons inside of that, that kind of led you in the direction where you are today. So, um, I just, yeah, thanks for sharing, sharing that. Cause I, I do think that, you know, a lot of people know that real estate is a great investment. And I think Mm -hmm. even more so right now, because of our country's kind of in a weird spot. Right. And so, yeah. Um, real estate, you know, we kind of, we don't have anything to compare this time to like the only other thing is like in 2008 when we had the recession. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what kind of makes me, I guess, more timid Mm -hmm. of real estate is because Mm -hmm. we experienced that. And like my husband personally and myself experienced foreclosure. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, you're really timid about that. But, you know, I know that that is the place to go when you're looking for like long-term passive income and you're looking at like multiple streams of Mm -hmm. income. And so I want you to talk a little bit about like when you say multifamily versus the short-term rental, like explain to us what a multifamily is. Yeah. I think a lot of people think of when they think of buying a rental, they think of buying like a single family home that also presented like uh, too much risk for me, because if you don't have a tenant in there, you're carrying the debt service. So meaning that's your mortgage payment. So with the more units you have, the lower that vacancy risk is. So the minimum that we started with was two units um, because we could carry debt service on just one side. And so we knew, you know, as long as we have one side occupied, we're going to cash flow from there. The STR model is that's short-term rental. A mm-hmm. lot of people will do this as a, a room in their house, or maybe they have an ADU, which is an accessory dwelling unit. That's pretty common in California. And they'll rent those out. I think that's awesome for an owner occupant who's trying to get some extra cash flow. Um, but it is a very active 
thing. There's nothing real passive about it. Um, <laughs> when it, I mean, it depends on the person to your tolerance might be more, but getting comms from tenants, like in the middle of the night, which are, you know, just mm-hmm. folks staying for two nights and they're complaining about their, you know, soap running out. And that, you know, is, <laughs> is happened to me. And then yeah. you get a three-star review, even though you yeah. checked them in early and you got the cleaners coordinated for the morning day of, because they were yeah. like, oh, I'm coming in at one. I expect to be able to come into the unit. And then you, you know, coordinate all of that for them. And then you get a three-star review because yeah. they ran out of their, you know, initial set of soap that we, we gave them. <laughs> so, um, that level of just customer service, I think we deal with it a lot in, in the nursing profession. Um, I was over it, you know, cause it's like, mm-hmm. this is something, something I can't control yep. with long-term rentals. What's great is you get to vet your people who are going to stay there. So you go through the leasing process and I do this with, I outsource this. So this is done, um, by my, um, in-house property management. I, that's the other thing that you can choose. You can totally outservice this. You can do third-party management. So, mm-hmm. um, that would be, you know, somewhere between depending on where you live in, live in the U S um, 7.5 to 10% of gross income. And um, so gross rental income for, for management, some of them will do a flat fee model where they'll do it by door, um, which typically works out better. Um, if you have rents that are North of a thousand per, per door. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can third party, or you can do it the, the way that I do it, which is you build it out in-house and it's a little bit more work, but you get to really have tangible hold over your assets. And, and, you know, some investors will say, don't ever do that. Cause it's like, takes time and it totally does take time to set that up. But once your system's going, it's, it's actually much more manageable. And I do all of my investing remote, um, which is again, something that, um, some people are comfortable with some people aren't. Um, for me, it actually was a good lever because I can't just drive over and fix the problem. I have to come up with a system to be able to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, so it did help me scale faster by having the the properties not on site. Um, Well, and it just goes back to like having those systems in place and being able to, like, I think when it comes to passive income in general, like to have things automated that's mm-hmm. the key. It's like, you just want yep. it like automated. Like you don't even want to use any of your brain power to even think about it. So if you can, yes. the more automated you can get when it comes to passive income, I think the more streams of passive income mm-hmm. that you can, you can tolerate and that you're not going to get overwhelmed with or um, burn out with because God knows, I mean, as nurses, we don't want anything else that's going to add to the stress of our, our life or our career. Like, we want to be able to create a passive income <laughs> to make our lives easier, yes. make our lives better, not to make it more stressful. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's super important to, to touch on and just to, to know that, that, that is possible because when you look at the, you know, the multifamily and we're talking like apartments, condos, Yep. right. And so when you're looking at the big scheme, it can be overwhelming, but as you shared, like having those automated systems in place just helps it run like smoothly, like a more well-oiled machine versus you having to manage it yourself and deal with all the problems. And so a lot of that um, gets outsourced with the automation. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, And yeah, with multifamily, the like residential multifamily is typically two to four units. And then when you get above five units, that's when you're considered commercial. So then it's actually 
actually great because your lending terms change a little bit when you're on a commercial loan. Um, they may have you be a personal guarantor of the loan, but it's the asset itself is underwritten by the bank. So it makes it a lot easier for financing. And it also, you're getting into more secure assets because you have more units. And the key to that is that when you stabilize the building, when you bring up the revenue on the building, you can refinance on the new stabilized value based on income. Nice. So it's great. It's an amazing mm-hmm. business model. Um, and <clears throat> it is something unique to commercial properties that you don't get when you're in residential multifamily. If I had known that difference, I probably just would have shot for five units and above earlier. Right um, out the gate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Cause it's <laughs> like, I don't have to use my own, like I, it's not on the loans, not personal on my, my loan docket. So it's, it's mm-hmm. great. It's not debt that I'm carrying. It's typically non-recourse. Um, and then I'm a personal guarantor of it if it's a smaller asset. And then once I stabilize the, the unit, the building in, in a year, um, then I can refinance and pull new equity out that I've created just by stabilizing the product by bringing up mm-hmm. the income. So it's awesome. Cause it's just like little generating machines there. Mm-hmm. So if I'd and known then, that I would yeah, have, you have to just pay attention to like your numbers, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're constantly probably looking at like everything on the back end and figuring yep. out, okay, where are we at? What's the What's NOI? Then, yep. Can we refinance? So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, yep. um, that's interesting. And that's, I guess kind of for me, because I'm, I, I won't say that I'm a numbers person, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I do like passive income and yeah. I love the idea of having multiple streams of income. I think we all should, mm-hmm. but yeah, the numbers, I guess would be a little bit part of that thing that'd be scary for me. So, you know, hearing you break that down and just explaining it, I think is very helpful. So yeah, thanks for explaining that. I do want you to kind of share with us now, you know, I kind of talked about this whole real estate thing is, you know, to me as a nurse, it's intimidating. I'm not really a numbers person. Um, can you share some of like what your biggest challenges were? Like, did you face any limiting beliefs? Um, I know you kind of went into the real estate market, just kind of like you said, by accident. And mm-hmm. also want you to share some of your biggest rewards in being able to start your business as a nurse practitioner. Yeah. I think limiting beliefs are the hardest thing. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it's the thing that keeps most of us back. And my husband says it to me all the time. <laughs> it's the thing that probably keeps <laughs> me from doing bigger stuff. Um, when I first looked at a building that was over 50 units, I was like, oh my gosh, it was insane. Yeah. And I, I felt like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. Um, but then, you know, 330 units later, you're like, okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I think each hurdle you go over, you look back and you say, oh, I did do that. And I think that's so important. So <clears throat> something that I really believe in is annually setting your goals for your year and making them goals that you feel like are kind of crazy, um, mm-hmm. achievable. But like, if you did it, you'd be really impressed with yourself. Right. Um, because you'll be shocked by what you can do when you have those goals and you're thinking about them and you're achieving going after those goals mm-hmm. each, each quarter. Um, and every year that we've done this, like I, have personally been like, oh my gosh, smashed them. Can't believe it. <laughs> you crushed your own self, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's exciting to have that happen at the end of the year. It's something you want to look at and be like, yep. oh, awesome. I feel great about that. So yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, I think a layer to, you know, being a nurse is, you know, obviously going through school, getting your degree, all of that is a challenge. And depending on, you know, where you decide to work as a nurse, but I think that's something that we lose over time, especially if we get really comfortable in our job mm-hmm. and that comfortable, maybe, you know, maybe we hate working the 12 hour shifts, but we're comfortable mm-hmm. you know, where we are versus 
trying to change and do something different that we don't know about. And so we'll yeah. stay stuck in the uncomfortable versus, you know, stepping out into the unknown and giving something a try. Uh, we rather just stay stuck where we are, even though we're burnout, we're exhausted, mm-hmm. we're drained. I mean, our tanks are empty. We have nothing left to give. We'll stay there mm-hmm. because it's comfortable. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, being able to step outside of your comfort zone, I think is a really huge part of being able to create a passive stream of income. You know, you're doing something different. You didn't go to school to learn how to do this. You figured mm-hmm. it out on your own. And so as you did that, you got uncomfortable, you learned as you went. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of, you know, I mean, we don't go to school to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't, we don't, yeah. we, we yeah. didn't go to business school. Yeah. And so I think just hearing your story and just kind of seeing the trial and error and how you got to starting by renting out your own personal property to now you own your own business and you invest in these huge multifamily assets that you have and your portfolio is probably something that you never even imagined as you were, you know, working inside of healthcare as a nurse practitioner, you know, and I'm sure... Yeah the return on your investment is way oh, it's bonkers. <laughs> it's bonkers. It, I think it's kind of fun when you're like, I, I'm not a huge numbers person, but when you look at, I put this much money in a year later, I'm making this much m- money. And then my, my investment has now brought me back this much. It's an insane. You're mm-hmm. like, it's so exciting. I think what you are saying about being comfortable really resonates because I think for a lot of us, when you've done a role for, you know, over five mm-hmm. years, it kind of can go autopilot. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of comfort in that where, you know, your, your needs are met and you feel like, okay, I don't really need to push myself, but I can keep going into work. And I know I'll get paid this much and mm-hmm. I'm comfortable because I know what I'm doing and I can just kind of float through my day, clock out and go home. And what I'm doing now is just choosing the shifts that I want and choosing the holidays that I want off. And maybe I'm choosing a job that doesn't make me work weekends or nights anymore. And so I'm mitigating the painful points of it. And so now I'm, I'm even more comfortable. And I think when you reach that state of comfort, what will make you uncomfortable is when you think about what happens if I lose my income, what happens if I no longer have that stability through my W2. And when that happens, it becomes a much stronger motivation to create some security for yourself outside of your W2. Typically Mm -hmm. this doesn't happen for a lot of people unless there's a major life event. And I think I don't wish that on anybody, but if you can make yourself a little bit less comfortable and think about, Hey, what's actually the goal for five to 10 years from now, am I going to want to be in this job? until I'm 55 to 65. Um, what kind of schools do I want for my kids? What happens if we do need to fund more of my parents, my, you know, take care of grandparents, what happens there? Um, what happens if I do become guardians of my, you know, sisters or brothers and children, those things are the, the things that if you factor that in all of a sudden that scale gets tipped and it's really important to have other tranches. I talk about tranches a lot. So those are the, the ways that you're getting income. You should have multiple tranches so that you are more stable. And so as you're looking at where my tranches are, don't put all those into the W2. There should be multiple tranches and backups. And um, I always think all your eggs in one basket. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. <no. laughs> exactly. And it's always good to have a lever to pull. Not that you should um, have to, but it's always good to have that nest egg for six to 12 months where you're like, if, 
if everything goes to bust, I have that nest egg that we can fall back on. Um, because you really don't know what life's going to give you. Um, and I think the pandemic was, um, a great example of that, (laughs) you know, and I mean, even now in inside of healthcare, it's like you're faced with maybe making a decision, like, do I get vaccinated? Do I not get vaccinated? Am I going to lose my job? And what is your stability here? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're faced with making those hard decisions. And if you had something else that you could fall back on, then maybe that decision would be like, you'd be able to make that decision a little bit easier for you and for your family. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And I think one of the things that has been very, uh, present, uh, that I've noticed for folks is that we have been given a playbook and I think that's common for us who are in, in medicine and a playbook has been set in stone when you made that decision that, Hey, I'm going to go for my nursing degree mm-hmm. and your, your playbook is this track. And, and if you follow the track and nothing happens, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if, there was a couple points in, in my career where I realized, okay, I've hit a glass ceiling. I'm no longer going to be able to make more for my money. And I, my time is what I have as what I'm spending. And so the only way to make more, uh, is to work more. And that (laughs) doesn't really pay off. You're trading your time for money. (laughs) Totally. And as long as that's your, your income source scaling, that's going to be impossible because there's, there's no more time, uh, in the day you can only give so much. And when you have a family, those, those, those little ones are going to take it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, Um, you and I talked about like when we were chatting before is, you know, when you have a little one and you guys, this is so crazy, but Alex and I, we have a little boy, her little boy is almost one and mine is almost, well, he is 10, but <laughs> they're both, their name is Jude. And so mm-hmm. we, we kind of hit it off from the beginning. Alex reached out to mm-hmm. me from the podcast and I thought that was kind of cool. But as you are, you know, you're seeing him grow and they grow so quick. I mean, my I mean, I have a 10 year old and an eight year old and it's like, you don't get that time back. And so Mm -hmm. if you're sacrificing your time for money and you're, you're working 12 hour shifts and you know, you're missing out on a lot of that. And so Mm -hmm. really having a plan for the future and it really doesn't matter how old your children are. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can start at any time, but like we were chatting, like college, (laughs) what is Mm -hmm. that going to look like? And you Mm -hmm. actually bought an investment property for Jude. And Mm -hmm. so like, he's not even one and his college is going to be paid for. So like really projecting that into the future and just like planning forward, I think is such a cool thing about being able to create that passive income because Mm -hmm. there is no more time. And you know, you want to be able to spend your time wisely with seeing your little boy grow up, not missing his first steps, Mm -hmm. not having to send him to daycare every single day. If yeah, uh, that's one of the big pieces. And I know that's a big part of your why, like when you Mm -hmm. got into building your business and growing your business, like that was a huge part of, you know, why you actually started it and kind of what drives you today to be able to generate that extra passive income. A hundred percent. I think a lot of folks probably are familiar with bigger pockets. And that's kind of where we started with a lot of knowledge base for, for getting into real estate investing. And I was really inspired by this idea that you can buy something that will eventually appreciate and throw off enough cash flow to pay for college. Like I was like done. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so, 
Um, so I think we closed on the, the multi, the small multifamily that we bought for Jude, like two weeks before he was born. It was awesome. And so I think it's just really exciting to think about this asset. That's going to continue to grow in value, continue to spit off some cash flow. It's going to pay itself off by the time he's in college and it will pay for his, his college. So, um, ideally we would keep the asset and just use that cash flow to pay for his, his college tuition, or we, um, we tend 31 into something bigger, uh, mm-hmm. at that point. And so it's like, it offers us just huge amounts of leverage there. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, I think it's all about your tolerance too, for, for how much you want to get into it. But I think mm-hmm. from practical advice, like how, if you were interested in doing it, how would you even like start getting into it? Yeah. Um, and I think, it seems crazy to be like, oh, I'm going to buy an investment property. But once you do it, it's really not that crazy. Um, and a lot of people are like, where do I find the money to do this? And so <laughs> it doesn't take a whole lot when you're looking at tertiary markets. Tertiary markets are outside of, you know, you're not in a primary market, which is somewhere like a big metro. Um, you're outside of that in, in these like really smaller markets you can pick up rental properties really inexpensive, typically 150 to maybe 250, mm-hmm. um, for, for a rental property that's in that two unit range. It's a great place to start. And you really only need 20% down 30% down, depending on your lender. Um, and that, if you're conscious about saving it, that you can totally get it, get into a property that way with it being really accessible, um, because it is a smaller portion if you have two incomes coming in. So, um, my husband and I have lived lean for a long time. And I think if you're able to kind of fight that lifestyle creep, um, Mm -hmm. it actually is really helpful for getting some financial stability earlier. But if you're at a place where you're over leveraged, I would look at where you, when, and when I say over leveraged, it means like, Hey, you've got a lot of liabilities, you know, like you've got Mm -hmm. a house, maybe two cars, you've got to pay for private school. All of this other stuff is hitting you as an expense look at ways that you can kind of de-risk those liabilities. So if you think about what's my next purchase that I need to make, if I can take that money that I'd use on that purchase and put it into an investment that would throw off enough cash flow to pay for that, mm-hmm. that's ideal. So for a car payment, if you can take that down payment and rather than spend, you know, more on that down payment, but put that down payment on uh, into an investment that would then give you some cash flow to pay for that, maybe you lease it. Um, I think that's actually a way to really mitigate those risks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I always talk about limiting those liabilities as much as possible. Yeah. And I think it's just a big mindset shift there, right? Because Mm -hmm. as Americans, like standard, like American dream, we're going to buy the house with the white picket fence and we're going to drive, you know, whatever that is, the minivan or whatever, you know, but really changing your mindset around like, okay, let me start to think about how I can use my money to work for me. Mm -hmm. I'm working hard for my money. How can I use it in a different way that it's actually bringing money into me. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. we, you know, I think 73% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. and it's really hard to think about this. I think when you are in that mindset and you're just living paycheck to paycheck, but really mm-hmm. if you flip that switch and you say, okay, draw a line in the sand. Like, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to change this. I mean, because mm-hmm. as nurses, I think too, we get into the mindset of I make good money. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a nurse. I work in the healthcare field. I make good money, but we're still living paycheck to paycheck, 73% mm-hmm. of us. And so when you think about what making your money work for you and different ways that you can do this, I think that real estate is 
you know, I mean, there is, it can be scary, but I definitely think that the return on your money is Mm -hmm. exponential compared to anything else out there. You know, that car that you're going to buy or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you're going to buy, it's probably not an investment. (laughs) It's probably going to depreciate. So really just changing your mindset around looking at things that you can invest in that is going to make you money. And maybe that is living minimally for a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like my husband and I are on a debt-free journey. Like we are getting ready next month. We're getting ready to move into our camper. So we're going to be tiny living (laughs) for a while. And people either say, oh, that's cool. Or they're like, you're crazy. Um, But that's where we have a goal to be debt-free. And we want to, like I talked to you about getting into storage units, building Mm -hmm. a storage unit. And so mm-hmm. like, that's kind of where my wheels are turning. And so yeah. if you have to make a sacrifice for the short term for the yeah. long-term gain, I think that it just takes that willingness to change your mindset around money and change yep. your mindset around how you can make it work for you versus just always like you never pay yourself. You're working like a dog mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're paying all your bills and then you have no more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know what happened now? I'm a money. It's like, well, you didn't manage it well, and you weren't thinking future casting. And so now, yeah. you know, I mean, if you don't tell your money where to go, it's, it's going to disappear. I can tell mm-hmm. you that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. We always um, what we do is we have done this for years, where we basically take a portion of what's coming in as our active income and we put it immediately in an account that we don't see at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you, uh, we do, we max out before I quote retired, uh, mm-hmm. we would max out our 401k contributions. Um, yeah. and so that doesn't hit your bank account. Then as soon as we get our direct deposit, the portion of it would go immediately into an account outside of our mm-hmm. primary banking account. Yep. Going back to that automation process, right? Like mm-hmm. making sure you have that automation just in place, because mm-hmm. like you said, if you don't see it, like it's out of sight, out of mind, you don't even have to yeah. think about it. And you're not going to see this big chunk of money. And you're like, Ooh, I'm going to go on a shopping spree yes. or buy TV yeah. or whatever it is. So like it's out of sight, out of mind, automated, and then you're not even seeing it. And so, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. um, I think a big thing for me when it comes to like we've been saving for the boys college funds. And so like yeah. that automatic, it just goes yep. and like, I don't even, I don't even see their accounts. Like I check it mm-hmm. maybe once or twice a year, if they get birthday money and I deposit it, they get Christmas mm-hmm. money um, and that kind of thing. But yeah, just having it out of sight, out of mind is a Huge. good strategy. I think for, <laughs> Yep. Yep. We're saving and money, right? <laughs> it totally is. Cause if you see it, you spend it. Um, yep. and one thing that, <laughs> I joke about a lot is that when you invest in real estate, you're going to feel constantly like you're not wealthy because your, your money is tied up in an asset. You cannot spend it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's like actually a really great thing. Um, yeah. and so you've got these little money makers that are spitting off cash flow for you, but the real value is the equity pay down that's happening on it and the appreciation that's happening on it. That's not accessible to you unless you go through either refinancing it or mm-hmm. you sell it or 1031 it into something else, um, which we've done a, a few of those. And those are awesome ways to, to tax advantage ways to get into larger assets that will perform even better and give yeah. you more returns. And so I, I can't tell you like a number of benefits 
<laughs> to to the to getting into real estate is huge. Um, and something I wasn't aware of when I started too is that you can do real estate investing not actively, like not acquiring your own assets. You can do it through putting money into a group investment, which is what I do now, which is with large multifamily. Um, so that is also an awesome opportunity for people who are like, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy. Mm-hmm. It's really not my skill set. I don't really want to learn about it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would like the returns and I would like the passive income from it. And I would like some of the tax advantages of it too. Yeah. It's a great way for folks to get into it. So a lot of my investors are folks who are still working in high, high income earners and, and mm-hmm. they're wanting to get all of that benefit without having to do the the work of it. Yep. And honestly, I don't blame them. It's, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> and, um, just if you looked at one of my underwriting spreadsheets on these huge multifamily, you'd be like, yeah, I'm okay. Not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but you've streamlined it enough to where like you're yeah. the expert in it now. So like people yeah. come to you and they're like, okay, Alex, like you're the expert yeah. um, make money. And you're like, okay, let's do it. And so yeah, yeah totally. it's kind of just a good relationship, reciprocating relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I trust you to do the thing. And then you deal with all the stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah, totally. And, um, it's also like, if you're nerdy enough to like, want to learn all those things in your spare time, it, yeah. it's awesome because like, you can get a lot of information from, you know, I have stacks of books and underwriting materials, and then, you know, tons of podcasts that you can, you can learn the gig. Um, yeah. and, but it's also it, I, when you're in real estate too, you're like, Oh, the next thing is super exciting too. So when you mentioned storage units, I'm like, yeah, that's my next thing that I'm going to yeah. do. And <laughs> It's because it really, it's hard to find something in real estate that isn't great, um, mm-hmm. but you'll find the things you prefer to do. Um, right. So I prefer the multi-tenant, anything that's mm-hmm. going to be able to offer great cash flow, good appreciation, and then also have the tax deduction. So it's like mm-hmm. multi-tenant is that's my way. So multi-family is great. Storage units are awesome. I yep. just think the risk profile on those are awesome. And the other thing is, um, you know, multi-tenant retail is another good one too. Mm-hmm. With the pandemic, it's a little bit higher risk right now. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. is another great multi-tenant situation. I mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now for my nurse listening that is thinking, okay, I would love to get into real estate investing, mm-hmm. but I'm working full-time. Can you yeah. speak to that? Because I know when yeah. you first started, you were working full-time. So can Mm -hmm. you speak to that nurse that's listening? That's like, okay, this is something I'd love to do, but where do I find the time? Yeah. So I I think I would first explore like, how much do you want to be involved? Like, do you want to own that asset? Do you want to figure out how to run it? Do you want to figure out your systems? Um, Or is it something where you're like, I really am not super interested in doing that, um, Mm -hmm. but I would love to find a good person to take my money and invest it into something else. Mm -hmm. Um, then that's kind of your first decision, active or passive for what type of investor you want. Um, and there's tons of people who do both routes. Um, and so, um, if you're looking down the active route, I would just kind of go down, you know, where do I find that spark of curiosity and interest? Maybe you really are like, I love the hospitality industry. I really actually think short-term rentals are going to be a great thing for me to explore. You can get into that really quite accessibly. You can get, cause you don't need multi-unit there. You can get a single unit to start off with. And, um, there's plenty of tips on like how to run a successful Airbnb. 
caution there would just be like, Hey, you're reliant on a third party platform. So mm-hmm. those fees are going to be set by Airbnb. And that was the, another thing that I was like, for risk adjusting, it's a little hard, but if, you know, find your spark, if you're like, I want to own that asset then find something that you really get into. If you're like, Oh, mobile home parks really fascinate me. And I really want to learn the metrics of that. Yeah. Like just find someone who's an expert on mobile home parks and find someone who owns one who loves doing it. And just like ask for coffee, ask to get on a call. Like they were usually real happy to talk about it. Um, and then if you're like, eh, like none of that owning part of it, (laughs) Right, like fascinates me. Yeah. Then, then, um, for passive investment opportunities, there's a lot of groups that do what I do. I take accredited investors only. So, um, it's a certain amount of net worth qualify for the investment opportunities that I have, but a lot of folks will do, um, it's kind of called a 506 B, which is a buddy, which means you don't have to be an accredited investor, but you do have to know your sponsor. So you have to personally know them. So it's, um, typically a friend or family member, um, or referral to that person. And you've had a few conversations with them and those typically are smaller assets than probably sub hundred units. Um, for talking multifamily. Um, but it's a great way to get in if you don't meet the accreditation standards for the SEC. So that's another option for folks too. Um, the, the typical, um, investment opportunities that you'll see for private placement are five or six C's, um, which mean you have to have a net worth of a million or income, um, single of 200 or joint of 300. And I know those seem really high. Um, but folks do, do meet those criteria rather quickly through net worth. When you look at your total assets that you own, um, across like 401k house equity, and then, um, savings and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge today. I know I learned a ton. Um, if there's anyone listening that would love to connect with you, where can they find you? So they can contact me through my email address, which is available on um, my website, which is graywhalecapital.com um, and gray is spelled with an E. And then um, they can hit the connect with us and then fill out the form or my email's right on there. And then I am happy to share any um, tools that I, I've built out a few underwriting. If someone wants to ping me for, you know, what does it look like to do a small multifamily underwriting? I'm happy to share that. If you're like, Hey, I'm really into this active thing. I want to get into it. If you're on the passive side, I have a deal analyzer, which lets you kind of compare, um, different investment opportunities. If you're looking at a few, um, that it's that you just want to compare what do the performance metrics look like? I can, I can share that with your, with your group too. Um, and there's great books out there that are fantastic for getting started, um, in, in investing in real estate and good podcasts. Some of the, my favorite ones I had mentioned were bigger, Mm -hmm. bigger pockets is great place to start for active investing. Mm -hmm. Um, folks who are interested in kind of looking at the next step. Um, maybe they've already said, you know, I, I really am into this passive thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to learn more about that. There's um, a few different podcasts for passive income. And one of them is left field investors. And it, like, I, I know Jim personally, he's really great. And so that's another one to get a good one to check out. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I can link all of those in the show notes and um, that way it just makes it easier for listeners. So thank you so much Perfect. for coming on today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I loved it. It was a great chat. And um, thanks for having me. (laughs) Hey, real quick, before you go, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure you go over to Apple iTunes and hit subscribe. This way you'll get notified when all of the new episodes air. And if you've been listening to the show and you know some other friends or coworkers that may enjoy it, or you just want to say thank you, 
Be sure to take a screenshot and share it over on the gram, post it up in your stories and tag me at Brianne, it's B-R-I-A-N-N-E underscore Bell, B-E-L-L. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'm so grateful for you guys. Until next time. If you like my mom's podcast, make sure you subscribe and leave a review.